This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, Hanukkah, and it's also, um, I want to talk a little bit about Pasha's uh, Miketz, this week's uh, coming Pasha. So, let us start with Pasha's Vayesha. Let's go back a little bit. So, <clears throat> I think that we should take a look at how Yosef HaTzadik, uh, the evolution of Yosef HaTzadik and how, how he started off and how he ended off. And I think it has a lot to do with, um, Hanukkah would try to, we'll try to, at the end, we'll try to put it together. So, it says like this. It says that when, when Yosef went out to his brothers, so we know that his brothers called him the Balchalaymers, that he was a dreamer. Why? Because the beginning of Pasha the Yeshiv, it says, first of all, there's a lot of, a lot of things in the Torah have to do with dreams. We know that, um, that Yosef had a dream, two dreams. Paro had a dream, right? That's what got Yosef out of his problems. The Sahamashka and the Sahalayfim had dreams. And Yaakov had a dream on his way to Yisrael, where he was, uh, where he saw the Malachim going up and down the ladders. So we see there's a lot of, a lot of dreams. A lot of times it says, Vayachalayim. Here we know that, um, that Yosef had a dream. And he told it to his brothers. So they hated him even more. What did he tell them? So he said, We're a bunch of bundles in my dream. In the middle of the field. Your bundles all bow down to my bundle. So it's sort of a... Uh, like, I'm the man kind of dream. Like, you're all a bunch of bundles, and I'm a bundle, and all the other bundles bent down to me. So, they did not like that at all. So they said to him, What do you think? You're going to be our king? You're going to control us? But you see, for it's not, so by the way, it's very interesting, the brothers said in Avua without knowing it. They said, one day you're going to be our king. They were saying in a derogatory way, you think you're going to be our king? What, what really they were saying in the Vuah, you will be a king upon us. You will control us, because we know that you would happen later on with Yosef in Pashva Yigash, right? Okay, then he has another, another dream. When he tells his brother, I had a dream. The sun and the moon... And eleven stars were bowing down to me. He was the twelfth tribe, so eleven other tribes were bowing down to him. And the sun and the star, and the, the sun and the moon was was Yaakov Avinu, and the moon was Leah because she wasn't she wasn't um, alive anymore. His mother. So he said to them, "Your mother and your father and all of you, you bow down to me, right?" Mishtachavim Lee. So he told him again, and his father said, now you're getting a little bit, uh, a little criticism here, a little bit chutzpah, saying, it's one thing you say your brother's bad down to you, but now you're saying, I bad down to you, with, with, with Leah. Right, so Yaakov gave him a little more, so he said, what's this dream? What, you think me and, and your mother, uh, and, and your brothers are bowing down to you? Very interesting lotion. This is a whole different shear, which I should have given when I when I spoke about Pajvayeshev. 
His brothers got jealous, but his father didn't get jealous. What did his father do? The Aviv Shamar Sadova. And his father kept the matter in his mind. In other words, there's something going on here. Very different reaction. His brothers were all very jealous. But, sorry, his brothers were all very jealous, but he, but his father was not jealous. His father was that if my son had these dreams, that something else is going on. Let me turn off my phone. That something, something's going on. Okay. So, he also was sort of asking for trouble. You tell your brothers that I had a dream, you all bowed down to me. And then I had another dream, you all bowed down to me again, right? Seems to be that the dream is all about him. Right? It's about himself. So that was a little bit of a problem. Then, later on, this continues. And what happens when he, when he goes down to Mitzrayim and Potiphar buys him. So it says, Hashem is Yosef. Hashem was with Yosef. He had a lot of atzlacha. person who's doing well. The hardest time to see Hashem is when you're doing well. When you're not doing well, that's when everybody starts praying. When something's wrong, that's when everybody starts praying. When everything's, everyone asks, how come, how come Russia v'toivloi is because there are people who do very bad things and they're mechal Shabbos and they're making a lot of money because the Satan wants them to, doesn't want them to connect to God. And as long as you're doing well, you don't connect to God. It's when someone's sick or someone's losing money or something's wrong, that's when you connect to God. So the Satan makes sure that everything... The Satan is the lawyer, the prosecuting lawyer in the next world. Now, if they don't open up your books, it's sort of like the IRS. If they don't open up your books, then they don't bother you. So the Satan is the one who tries to get us always into trouble. Now, if he has someone that's doing Averis and then being Michal Shabbos, and eating non-kosher, and they do all these bad things, he, 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 he doesn't want to prosecute them. Because they're going to open up their books, they're going to get into trouble, they're going to get into trouble, where's the first place they're going to run? To God. But he's a prosecutor. If the prosecutor doesn't prosecute, and open up the books, then things don't happen. So, Tzadik, Russia, the Torah is because the Satan wants the Russia to keep going. You shouldn't get close to Hashem. So everything seems to be great. My friend that's doing everything wrong. She's married. She's got two kids. Tzadik Ralo is just the opposite. The Sultan's always prosecuting the, 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 the Tzadik. He's always trying to get him into trouble. So he, not having such an easy time. So what happened over here? The worst thing. It was in Ishmat Sliach. That's about Tzadik was doing well. Okay. Now interesting enough, little Musser, Vayar Adonov. His master saw Ki Hashem Ita. Doesn't say that Yosef saw. His master saw that God was with Yosef. And the master Potiphar, that low life, saw that it wasn't from Yosef that he was Matzliach, but he saw that Hashem is making him matzliach. And he liked Yosef, so he gave him everything. And Hashem blessed the house of this mitzri because of Yosef. 
and there was a blessing of Hashem in the house and in the field. He gave him everything. But what happened? Yosef was a pretty looking, was very pretty and very handsome. Now, what happened? What what was his the fly? The the we learned that the satan is, is like the fly. If you don't give him an opening, he can't get you. You got to give him an opening. You give him an opening, he'll take you down. If you have an apple and you put it on a on a table, the fly lands on the apple. He flies off. He can't do anything to a whole apple. If you take a bite out of the apple and you put it on the table, then he goes into the place that you bit and he sucks out all the juices. So something that's whole. A zvuv, something's called a zvuv, he can't do anything. When you give him a, a little in, right? You give him a little in, then already he can take you apart. So, you know, I'm not going to go into Facebook and, and internet and all that, but all these things that you think are good, once you turn that switch on, it says on, right? Rebooting, and all that stuff comes on, you're already in trouble. Because you're giving him the in. You can't give him the in. What was the inn that Yosef gave Potiphar's wife? He said the following, and he didn't say it, he didn't say it in a bad way. He sort of was saying it in a defensive way. He said, Enenu Godol Babayas Hazeh Mimeni. There is no one greater in this house than me. He told Potiphar's wife. Instead of saying like, the, like his master, that everything he has, and the reason everything is going good, is because of Hashem. Instead of that, what is he saying to Potiphar's wife? There's no one greater than me, not God, there's no one greater than me in the house. I'm the man. And I'm allowed to have anything I want in this house. Except, except for you, Potiphar's wife. Because you are his wife. How could I do such a terrible thing? So he said it really in a nice way, but he opened the thought. He said to her that everything in this house belongs to me but you. Now she might have taken that as saying, Oh, everything in this house except for you. What about you? But that's not what he meant. He was covering himself. He said, everything belongs to me in this house except for you, and you, I would never have anything to do with. He took the bite out of the apple. He made the little hole for the fly to crawl in. Because the next Pasuk says, right after he tells her, I can have everything but you, but you I would never have anything to do with because it's the wrong thing to my master, Tashem. First time the Torah tells us this. Then she began to bother Yosef. She began to speak to him every single day. He gave me an opening. He gave me a chance to crawl in. He texted me once. I'll text you back every single day. I'll make you nuts. You sent me one email. Now I have your email address? <laughs> now I'll email you every single day. That was his mistake. What he thought would keep him away from her, he opened the door. 
And he didn't listen to her. But then he fell, we see, we know what happened. He got into trouble when everybody left and she was left alone. Okay. So the very Kabbalistic, um, very Kabbalistic word. What happened was like this. He came to the house. There was nobody home. I wasn't here last week, so I didn't talk about this parasha. So I'm just going back a little bit. I was in uh, California. I was in Toronto. Pretty much lost my voice. I spoke in 53 places in nine days. Wow. 53 places. And I think I said the same thing over and over again. <laughs> no, actually I didn't, which was amazing. Spoke in many, many girls' schools, boys' schools. Actually had a very interesting time. I spoke to um, 50 principals that were gathered from one city in one place. I was supposed to speak for 45 minutes. I spoke for two and a half hours. Just to tell you, my, my opening statement, I was invited to have a principals meeting once every two months or once every month. And um, so I was invited to speak about the subject was uh, the challenges of Jewish girls in our generation. So they asked me to speak about it. So there were all these principles from the most religious school to the most irreligious school. You had to be there. Every one of them had no choice. It had nothing to do with me. It was was an organization that called it together and everybody was part of the organization. They all had to be there. So I got up and I said, "I, I don't know why I'm speaking. Why am I speaking? I'm from New York. I don't have a beard. I'm from New York. You guys are not really interested. Just let Ruth sit over here. Oh, mercy. You guys are not really interested in hearing what I have to say. Because no matter what I'm going to say, you're going to say, it's a New York problem. It's not our problem. So, like, why did you ask me to speak? So I totally, like, caught them off guard. Because I know that every single one of them, that's exactly what they were thinking. Like, okay, we have to be here. We have no choice. You know, let them speak. But... So I saw that didn't get anywhere. So I took it up a notch. I said, you know, many times I speak to girls, modern girls or other girls on the on the Indian of Shomer You know, my day growing up, somebody walked into the room and said, Shomer, we all scream Shabbos. <laughs> Today you walk into the room and you say, Shomer, everyone says Nagia. Things have changed drastically. So in my Shomer Nagia speech, and a lot of you have heard it and a lot of the people watching I know that Dallas is watching tonight and a lot of girls in Toronto and Kansas and and LA and um, so a lot of the people got turned on because they heard the first shit that I ever gave on Torah anytime and that was my show many gear story with the guy in the kitchen the whole story with my agent in the kitchen a lot of people a lot of people know that story anyway so when I talked to girls about show many gear so I'm explaining to them that men are you know I mean, not Tzadikim, but regular guys that are not Shemitigia. They only have one thing in mind. They're animals. And um, I've even used the word pigs. Men are pigs. Pigs fly. Whatever. So, you know, some people get, the guys get very hurt that I say that. But that's why we have the Torah. That's why we have 613 mitzvahs. And we have to put on tefillin. We have to wear tzitzes. And we have to learn Torah to make us weak. Because if we didn't have all that, it would not be a safe world to live in. So men are created a little different, a lot different than men, than women. And we're hunters, and we, we never have enough. We just want more and more and more and more. 
if you have Torah and you have mitzvahs and amidos and you brought up correctly and, and you become a mensch. But without that, wild animals. Aborin, uh, you know, what they call them in, uh, in Africa, right? So pygmies, aborigines, whatever you want to call them. The wild animals, no, they have no Torah. They just they do whatever they want to do. So, so I said to them, I said, so when I get finished my speech in Shemini Gia, I'm talking about how, how guys, you know, how, how wonderful it is that Hashem came up with this Shemini Gia and that the Chachamim put this in. You know, everyone thinks a bunch of old rabbis in a room, sitting in a room and like, so, how can we get the teenagers? How can we make them miserable? <laughs> we'll do Shemini Gia, yes. And they all get together and they're all so happy. And they put out a letter to everyone and rules. Yes, a bunch of old rabbis who want to put us put rules on us. Mean old rabbis, we could just find that room. But we can't, right? That's what everyone thinks. Chas It's just the opposite. They're not old rabbis and they're not mean. For the girls for the girls' point of view, we know what men are all about. So a girl, you go out for three months for the guy or a month or whatever it is, and he likes you. And he can't touch you. Means he really likes you. It's not a female male thing. He might even get to know your name. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. He knows that from your resume. <laughs> That's a different subject than I spoke about when I was in Canada. What's the deal with this resume competition? It's competition. Your resume used to be. Remember Nachami, your resume. Where'd you get your resume? You wanted a job. You wanted a teaching job. You, you handed in your resume today. You want to get married, you have to hand your resume. Some guy's looking over, some guy's looking over your whole resume. Your height, your weight, what school you went to, five of your friends, five of your parents' friends, where they dive in, where they learn, how many bedrooms in your house, how many bathrooms. You know what I mean? Is the toilet paper charming or it's not charming? Do they spend extra money in the plastic tablecloth and got some mices and it's three pages long with a picture. He has the right to look at your picture. You don't have the right to look at his picture. It's, it's crazy competition. Yavon. This is what we fought in Hanukkah. This is what the Maccabees got up to fight against. What are you going to do? You don't have a resume, you don't get married. You know what I'm saying? Guy flips through a book with 500 resumes. Nice. <laughs> you know, we used to have to get the, the somehow smuggle or know a girl to get the high school, uh, you know, yearbook to try to figure out the girl that they read us what she looks like. Today, they can flip through here. Here's the book. Check out. You got 900 girls. It's like The Bachelor on television. You got 900 girls. You can pick out whichever one that you want. This is what happened to us. Am I telling you you shouldn't put your resume out? You don't put it out. No one's going to know who you are. Even after you put it out, they don't know who you are. So, so, so this girl's going, this girl's going out and, uh, and he, he has to be Shemini Gia and she's Shemini Gia. So maybe he'll get to know her and she'll tell, they'll talk to each other a little bit about life and what they care about. But if they're not Shemini Gia, so it's, so it's a female and a male in the zoo. You put them behind bars in a zoo and feed them bananas. Have a good day, you know. So the Chachamim said, if we do this and the Shemini Gia, maybe, maybe you'll find, maybe. Is it for sure they'll never get divorced? No. But the percentage is much better because at least he knows who she is. And then they're engaged and it's another three months that they can't touch each other. So it's already four months altogether, maybe five months altogether. If a guy's ready to say, Hari Amakadesh is and commit to you, and he never touched you. That means he really knows who you are and your personality and what, what you care about. You have a shot at the marriage working. But if it's two animals, so there's, there's always another animal. There's always another animal that's in better shape than you. So then people get all, all nervous and all 
twisted out of shape. I can't believe my husband, seven years and four kids, and he's having an affair, and what's going on? It's your fault. She went Shemini Gia, so he found some better animal not to be Shemini Gia with. Sometimes she's not even Jewish. Totally out of a different zoo. And then everybody wonders. So the Chachamim did it for your sake. That's why the Chachamim did it. So anyway, so I'm telling these rabbis, first of all, half of them are already crawling under their chairs. Because like, where's he, where's he going with this? Right? It's not a Shomani Gia. We're not giving a Shomani Gia class to the principals in California of uh, hello, right? So I'm like, so when I finish my, and this always happens, when I finish my class, no matter where I go, I'm like, you know that I'm very Kabbalistic. You girls know that already. They, they don't. And I study Kabbalah and I'm able to read faces. Even the people that are sitting in the room right now. I know what you got for Hanukkah. Every one of you. And none of you, none of you offered it to me. So, anyway, I don't like those scarves. I don't wear them. Now they're thinking, oh my God, he really can do it. I don't believe it. I got a scarf. My mother bought me a scarf. Okay, I'm guessing. It's like, it's like guessing a guy got a tie. It's not because not I'm Kabbalistic. So, I tell the girls, I'm very Kabbalistic. I can read your minds. They're like, yeah, Rabbi, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know what every single girl in this room is thinking. Right after I give my men are pigs share. It's called men are pigs share, right? So, the, all the girls in the room are thinking the same thing. He's so right <laughs> about everybody else's boyfriend. <laughs> but my Chaim, he's different. <laughs> That's what everybody thinks. Or, 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 or even worse, even worse, I'm different. You know, holding hands. I'm not worried about that. You know why? Because I'm different. I'm not like the rest of the human race. I'm different. I, Hashem, created you and said you're not different. No, I know I'm different. So, it's either he's different or I'm different. But something's different. Something's definitely different. (laughs) So, everybody is in the room. And they're like, how does Rabbi Wallace know I'm thinking that? And the answer is that when Yaakov Avinu asked the Satan who was fighting with him in the middle of the night, trying to kill him, he said, Mashmecha, what's your name? And the Satan answered, Lamazet Tishal. What are you asking for? My name is always different. So if I'm going to tell you my name today, tomorrow it's going to be a different name. And the next day it's going to be a different name. And he never gave Yaakov his name. Because the Satan's name is, I'm different. Or the boy I'm going out with, he's different. I am different. I could watch this DVD, Barry Wallstein, it's rated R or PG-13. But I'm a mature girl. I'm already 20 years old. And I could watch it. And it has no effect on me. I, they, they, they wrote rated R and it's restricted for a reason it would have effect on it has an effect on the fly that's on the wall in your room it should surely have an effect on you but you say in your head it's romantic it's I'm different it doesn't affect me so the girls that I teach a lot of the girls that I teach I talk about non-Jewish music and they say that non-Jewish music they're different it doesn't affect them so some guy yell, some guy screaming in your ear, 
I'm not doing my kill my mother, I kill another, I kill my brother. I'm not, you all know that, you all know that rap rhyme. I'm not doing the rap rhyme. But you feel, you know, that I can listen to Goyesha music. It doesn't affect me. And I was one of those people that believed that I could listen to non-Jewish music and it doesn't affect me. And I didn't realize how much it affected me until I stopped listening to non-Jewish music. And I realized after I stopped listening to non-Jewish music that there was a lot of things that I didn't understand in learning that all of a sudden my head opened up and I understood. But you can't really know that until you stop. But I can't get really anyone to stop until you know that. So we got a little bit of a problem. Who came first, right? The chicken or the egg? We got a problem. By the way, who came first? Chicken, 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 egg. Hashem. Ha ha. <laughs> anyway, so, this is a big problem. So I'll tell you what I did. I went into my high school and I asked one of the girls for one of her rap CDs. And I had this huge boombox in school, which was last year. And I put on, she said, like, I'll give you the nastiest rap CD you ever heard in your life. I'm like, that's the one I want. <laughs> so I put it onto the CD. That's what they're listening to. Anyway, I put it on the CD. I said, okay, there were 10 girls in the room. And you can try this at home. Not with, don't go out and buy a rap CD. But if you're listening to non-Jewish music anyway, you can try this at home. I said, okay, I had 10 girls in the room. I'm like, I'm going to put this thing on. I'm going to try not to listen to the words as much as I can. And I'm going to put it on really loud. I want everyone to close their eyes. I want you to take out a piece of paper and a pen. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to play the whole song. And I want you to close your eyes. And when the song is over, I want you to write down what you saw. Okay, that's interesting. That's an interesting little homework. So I put it on. And you had this guy, yo, yo, mo, yo, mo, yo, the whole, the whole works with the screaming and the rapping and the this and the that. And the music's like, boom and boom, like killing and killing and this. Right? And like, the whole room is jumping down. The books are jumping up. Everything's jumping up. And the kids are, the girls are all sitting there, you know, they're all sitting there with their eyes closed. They're like very funny because like the, the whole machine was jumping. Like, you man, wait, get, get the white man, get the white man. Yo, whoa, whoa, yo. Right? And they're all, and the kids like, the girls are having like the best time, the best time. Right? I'm sitting there, I'm like, Man, if that guy comes out of the machine, I am dead, you know? <laughs> stay, stay in the machine. Stay in the machine. Anyway, so yeah, it's very funny. It's, it's very funny because if you saw it, so this boom box is booming, this hatred and this, this blood and, and this other words that I won't even say in here, right? Every second word is a curse word. Every second word, right? And, and you have a 10 girls sitting there serene on their desk. <laughs> am I doing good, Rabbi? I'm like, you're doing great. Just, when the song finishes, I want you to write. And they're all, okay, song is over. But Hashem, I look, all my body parts are still there. <laughs> Hashem, I didn't get stabbed. I didn't get killed. I didn't get shot. I'm still in the right neighborhood. I'm in the hood, you know, I'm Flatbush. And I'm good. And I said, okay, write down. So they all wrote down. And I, I should have brought it in to read to you. So one girl, I said, okay, what did you see? One girl said, Hatred. Darkness, cold, depression, pain. I said, good. I went through the whole room. That's all I got. Darkness, pain, rage, anger. Those are all the adjectives I got. I said, okay. I'm collecting the papers. I put it on one side of my desk. I said, okay, Mal, sorry to do this to you. It's going to be very painful. 
for putting on a swanky song. <laughs> and I put on, I believe, Mama Rachel. And I put on Mama Rachel from Shweki. And I said, now close your eyes and tell me what you see. And I played the whole song. I said, I write it down on a piece of paper. Warmth, love, hope, potential. One girl said, I felt like a seagull flying over the ocean. <laughs> Serious. No, she was a very poetic girl. Really, most beautiful things. And then I read the papers to them. And I said to them, you just got a chance to see what music does to you. Because when you closed your eyes and you floated away, what you saw is every single time, every single time you listen to those songs, that is what it's doing to you. Pain, anger, depression, darkness, rage. And after a while, it becomes part of your soul. You can't see it when you're listening to it with your eyes open. I said, and Shreki, whether you like it or not, if you're, if you're reading or you're doing something while you have that music playing in the background, it's love, it's a, it's a seagull flying, it's soaring, it's potential. That's what it's doing to your soul. If you don't believe me, you think I'm making it up, all the people that are watching tonight that listen to non-Jewish music, do what I'm telling you to do. Play the song and close your eyes and be honest and tell me what you see and then put on a, a Jewish song and close your eyes and tell me what you think. Play on Eighth Wonder, the Eighth, whatever they're called. Play Avram Avinu. Are we the children that you dreamed of? Play that song, close your eyes, see what it does for you. Because music is spirituality. Try it. It's a great homework to do. Whoever, whoever's listening and watching my shit tonight, it's my Hanukkah present to you. Try both songs. The Jewish song and the non-Jewish song. If you listen to non-Jewish music, you don't listen to non-Jewish music, you don't need it. If you listen to non do both, and then write down afterwards what you saw in each one, and that is what's happening to your neshama. So when you watch a movie, and you say, I'm different, you don't realize you're not different. And that movie has an effect in your soul. When I heard this from Shim Shim Pincus, I thought he was like, first time I heard this tape, I was like, I'm not going to listen to any more of his tapes. Because I thought he was like a crazy kanoi. And he talked about the, the stories that we put our children to sleep with at night. And he talked about Goldilocks and the three beers. And he said that, that as Americans, that's how, you know, there's a couple of stories. What are the three stories everybody knows? Little Red Riding Hood with a wolf who wanted to eat her. That's great to go to sleep like that. And then you're wondering why the kid is wetting his bed in the middle of the night because he sees some kind of big wolf with a big nose, right? trying to eat him in the middle of the night, then mommy's like, okay, good night, you know? Or for Jewish kids, this is the best story, three pigs. That's great. I'll blow your house down. The kid's laying in his bed, and all of a sudden, his father just told him the story of the first, you know, I don't even know how it goes, something, something, I'll blow your house down, right? And, and then he blows the house, and the straw house, and it blows, he blows it down, and he eats the little pig. And the kid's like, that's just great, Dad. Thank you, Dad. And then when he's laying in his bed, some wind comes through his window. He's like, oh, no. Daddy, Mommy, the wolf is here. He's blowing down our house. Rav Shibbiki says this is a shit. We're crazy. This is how we put our kids to sleep at night. And the next pig, he had a house made out of wood. 
Blew that one down too. Oh no. Our house is made out of wood. Poor little kid. Am I right, Nancy? I mean, you, that's how we used to tell you that story, right? Right? And then finally, the last one, he huffed and he puffed and he couldn't blow it down. Yay. So he waited until he walked, the pig walked out and then he ate him. So that's not a very good story. So what is a good story? Little Red Riding Hood? Nebuch. Right? Oh, Hansel's all. That's just beautiful. She put him in a pot. She put her, she, she put her hand around his wrist to see if he was fat enough yet to throw him in the pot. That story, my grandmother, my grandmother was German. That's a Yekish story. That was just a great story to put me to sleep. Every day I'm looking at my wrist. Oh my God, it's getting thicker. Oh my God. You don't even want to know that story. Yeah, she had him in this big pot. In this jail. She had this big pot. She was waiting. And once her fingers couldn't go around his wrist, he was fat enough to cook. <laughs> so that didn't work. Right? So then, then you have, he said, and then you have that favorite story that we tell kids with this little girl who comes to a house. She doesn't even knock on the door. Walks right in. Shalom Aleichem, I'm here at your house. Just walked in. Didn't ring the bell. Walks in. Straight into the kitchen. How would you like someone walk straight into your kitchen? What was it you telling your kid? She walks straight to the kitchen. What's up? What's cooking? Ah, porridge. Hmm. Let's check out the dining room. Sits down at the first one. What am I doing? I came here tonight to tell you these stories. What's going on here? Sits down at the first one. like, oh, this one is too hot. Got your germs all over it. Who cares? Put the spoon back in. Let me taste the next one. Hmm. Ugh. This one's too cold. What do you mean? You got your germs all over it. Who cares? It's a stupid beer. What is he going to care? So he'll get strep. Big deal. And then, you got to the third bowl just right. And she ate up all their porridge. What a lesson to teach our children. Go to other people's houses. This is no good. That's no good. Until you get the perfect one. And when you get the perfect one, make sure you don't leave anything over for anyone else. Right? But now you're tired. So you go into their bedroom. That's great. Right? You're teaching your kids. And you try out everybody's beds. Isn't that amazing? We're having a Shabbaton the Shabbos. Right? Just come to the hotel. Why don't you try every bed? In the 315 rooms. Too hard, too soft, too tall, too this. Right? Let the maids make all the beds. So you teach the kid. Goes into one bed. Too hard, ma. Too soft, ma. Ah. The perfect bed. It's not mine. And she goes to sleep. He said he counted 16 Averis in the first chapter of the story. So that's how you put your kids to sleep. So Shimshim Pincus. He said we're not even sensitive. We don't realize what it does to children. Teach them about Rabbi Palm, teach them about storing the Torah. That way, you can even teach them Chumash before they go to sleep, right? Some nice stories. Not throwing Abraham Avinu into the Kirshan Eish or chopping off Yitzhak's head. No, not those two. Not those two. Those are not good stories to tell them. But some good stories, right? And, and let them go to sleep with something nice. You know, Uncle Moishi. That curious George, where the guy goes through the house and he breaks every single plate and every single dish in the house. It's a great story to teach a kid. Right? Be like a little monkey. You don't give me the banana, I'm breaking all your plates. And he went through, it was very funny, because he went through all these different stories, because he was an American of Shim Shapigas, and he mamish like, he, he blew them away, he says, because we're not sensitive. So, why are we not sensitive? Because everyone thinks I'm different. I can watch that movie. It doesn't affect on me. I can listen to that music. It doesn't have an effect on me. Everybody thinks they're different. So that is the Sahara, And that is the little hole that gets us into the biggest trouble. I can go places 
where I shouldn't go, but it won't affect me because I'm different. I could go on the internet to places that I shouldn't go, but I'm not going to go to the worst places because it doesn't affect me. And this was his mistake. He said, Yosef Atzadik, that I'm the greatest in the house. You're not the greatest in the house. Hashem is the greatest in the house. And even your master knew that. You opened up that little pinhole, Potiphar's wife jumped into it. And what happened? She grabbed on to what? What part of Yosef did she grab on to? His clothing. She grabbed on to his clothing. Now look what happens. Now if I'm running out of your room and you're grabbing onto my clothing, what's going to happen? My clothing's going to rip and it's going to be left in your hands. Correct? That's what should happen. I'm running. You're holding on to my jersey in football. You're holding on to my jersey. I'm running. So you're going to rip my jersey off and you're going to have it in your hand. That's not what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says that the Shea of Vigdoi, she grabbed onto his clothing. Lame was Shifchi She said, be with me. He took off his jacket. Mayazov Bigdobiada. He removed his his clothing, that, that jacket, and he left it in her hand. and he ran outside. Now these psukim are very hard to understand. This is very Kabbalistic, by the way. when she saw Ki Ozav Bigdoibiyada that he left his clothing, his jacket in her hand. In other words, he took it off and he said, here, you can have it. So she, when she realized, when she saw that, and that he ran outside, all of a sudden she started screaming. She called everyone in and she said, look, heavy you brought me a Jew, the Sachek Banu, to mess around with me. Boy, like Lishchav Imi, he came to hurt, to, to hurt me. And she began to cry. And what does she tell everyone? He left his clothing here even. He was in such a rush, he left his clothing. The next Pasek is, listen to what she says, listen to what the Pasek says. She put the clothing, she folded the clothing and put it next to her. Till her master came home. Should have said until who came home? Her husband. It says until her master came home. Her husband definitely was not her master. So why does the Pasuk say, first of all, why do we have to know that she folded his clothing and put it there? Number one. And number two, what does it mean? Adonov, her master, Elbeso. So in the Divrei Kabbalah it says that what was going on was as follows. And I think this is, has a lot to do with, and, and then we'll, we'll cut into this week's Pasha. Big day, a person's clothing, is your chitzenius. It's your outside. Not your inside, but your outside. Yosef's problem was that he was very pretty. And he was very good looking. And he brushed, he brushed his hair. Right? It says he brushed his hair. He took care of himself. Part of what got, it, got him was that he was a chitzenius, he, he, he was a chitzenius person. So she grabbed on to that. You're into fashion? You're into looks? That's what you're into? 
You're into the outside world. So she grabbed onto that. And he realized that the Satan, because it's brought down that this whole Eshet Potifa was the Nachash, and he was the he was Adam, and this was the war of the worlds. And he realized that be, that that the Satan can't get me. He can't get my neshama, girls. He can't get your neshama. He can't take your neshama, but he can get you by grabbing on to your body, to your chitzonis. So he said to her, "I'm leaving you, my chitzonis." He took off his chitzonis, his outside bagged, and he said. I'm leaving that with you. But Yonas HaChutz and he ran out. At that point, the Yitzhah said, Oh my God, if you have no chitzani ice, how am I going to get you? So he started to scream and he started to try to get him into trouble because she realized she will never get Yosef to sin with her once he left his chitzani out. <coughs> once he left all that outside, that chat room, that whole look, that whole... That whole Facebook, that whole social network. I, I haven't spoken about Facebook in a long time. The whole, that whole social network, that whole outside, that whole outside world. But once he left his outside world, his, his Facebook and his computer and that whole outside world, he left it by her. She realized, I can't get him. I have nothing to grab onto him. I can't grab onto a soul. She had nothing left to grab onto. She began to yell. But, did Kabbalah say, she said, Batanach, I'm going to put it away until the master comes home. That the Chitzainiyais will be in this world until Mashiach comes. The master coming home is Hashem. So the Satan said that I own your Chitzainiyais until the master comes home. Until the master returns to his house, so he comes back to the base of Migdash, the Chitzainiyais of the person this whole social network, all this outside stuff, says the Satan, that still belongs to me, and that's how I'll get to them. Mm-hmm. And that was the war between Yosef, and that was the war between the Yavanim, between the Hellenists, between the Greek culture. The Greek culture was all about beauty, and power, and Venus, and Zeus, and Hercules. It was all about the Chinese. Olympics was all about Chitzenius. That was their thing. And we were just the opposite. We are Hanukkah. We are the Nair. Nair Neshama. We are the inside flame. And that's the war. The inside flame against the Chitzenius. Chitzenius is the nature of the world. A flame is against the nature of the world. In two ways. It fights <coughs> gravity Gravity pushes everything down. When you light a candle, the flame reaches up. If you take the candle and you turn it over, it still reaches up. It'll burn your hand. Fire is always reaching up. So it's anti-gravity. It's anti-the outside world. And also, in the rule of displacement, which is in physics, which means that when I give something to someone else, when you take from one to give another, the original loses. So if I have a pound of sand and I give you half a pound, now I only have a half a pound of sand. It's called the rule of displacement, of displacement of matter. If I take from here and I give it to you, then I don't have it. The only thing that doesn't fall into that, into that physics of, of the theory of displacement is fire. Water, I give you half my cup of water, you get half a cup of water, I have half a cup of water. If I take a fire, uh, I take a candle and I light everybody's candle in this room, 
my candle has the same fire. So the only thing that's the opposite of the, the outside clothing, the teva of the world, that fights the teva of the world is fire. Fire, there's no rule of displacement, and it also is anti-gravity. The two things that are absolutes in this world, fire and is the opposite of those two. So the Greeks are the Chitzenius, Hercules, power, Venus, beauty. Right? Every, every part of the Chitzenius in the world had a goddess, had an idol. Now we have an American idol, but they had all kinds of other idols, Greek idols. And we, the, the, the Chashmanaim, the Menaira, is the flame, the flame inside. So Yetzirah Tzadik, that's what he did, he left it there. But he didn't learn his lesson. He did not learn his lesson. The end of Pashas Vayeshev, there are some more dreams. And he translates those dreams. And what does he say? He tells him his dream, what does he tell him? But Yomolo Yosef, Ze Pisrono. This is its translation. He doesn't mention God. In other words, I'm giving you the translation of your dream. And he tells the translation of the dream of the butler, and he tells the translation of the dream of the baker, but at no time does he say Hashem. And then at the end, he tells the Sahamashkim, do me a favor, that don't forget me. When you go, get me out, because I don't belong here. Which is another thing he shouldn't have said. He said, my brothers, they kidnapped me. From the rest of the Jews. And I'm here, and I didn't do anything to Potipa's wife. I don't belong here. They put me in the, in the pit. What happened to the, everything is Bashert? What happened to Gamzul What happened to, Hashem doesn't give you a test. Nobody likes that one. That you can't pass. He's fetching. I don't belong here. I didn't do anything wrong. My brother sold me. I didn't do anything wrong. You tell the Samash, when you get out here, you tell Paro, I did nothing wrong. Where's Hashem? You had a dream. You told your brothers, you're bowing down. Nothing about Hashem. You had another dream. You told your father, he's bowing down. Nothing about Hashem. You're in the house, Potifa, and you're telling her how great you are. And the owner, the owner of the house says, it's all because of Hashem. And you say, I'm the owner of the house. And everything's because of me. And now you're in, 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 in jail, and you're saying, I can't believe this happened to me. I don't deserve this. Get me out of here. Still did not learn his lesson. You know, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna talk about Yosemite Tzadik like that, but, but he didn't connect. He didn't connect. This week's Pasha. Pasha's Mikates. Listen carefully how Yosef learned his lesson. What happens? He has a dream. So they call up Yosef, they give him a haircut. And they call Yosef, I had a dream. I don't know the translation. And this is the lesson we have to learn. This is Hanukkah. Now Yosef finally learned his lesson. So now Paul is telling me his dream. What does he answer? Outside of me has nothing to do with me. Hashem will answer what your dream is all about. Aha! So it's not you. And then you'll see the whole time. He tells him the dream, and like every four psukim, right? Every psukim, 
It's one dream. What Hashem is going to do, that's what I'm going to tell Power. And if you go through the whole thing, he keeps telling him, he keeps telling him, he keeps telling him that that it's all Hashem, it's all Hashem, it's all Hashem, Hashem is trans- he's translating it. Now listen to what happens because he says that. Paro, who's the low life, is telling all the low lives in, in Mitzrayim. Have you ever met a man, have ever met a man that the spirit of God is in him? Why? Because all he kept saying is, I don't know nothing, I don't know nothing, I can't help you, it's all from God. So when a person does that, the people who are the furthest away from God, Paro tells his people, look, I've never met such a man. I've never met such a man that's a man of God. And then he goes further, and he says, Yosef, this is such a musr. And Paro says to Yosef, he's teaching Yosef a lesson, after your God told you all these things, nobody's as smart as you are. Not because you're smart. Only after God told you all these things, are you that smart. And that's the sweet spot. And then, from then on, Yosef HaTzadik knows. And that's later on, we'll see, he says, I need Yosef. I am Yosef Ha'ayid Avichai. He comes to the conclusion that everything comes from God and at the end, when they think that he's going to take revenge because their father died, all the way end of Ayichi, it's an unbelievable evolution from a boy who only dreamt about himself, from a boy who only dreamt that everyone's bowing down to him, from a boy who dreamt that everything is mine, this whole household is mine, and everything is mine, from a boy who sat in jail and said, what am I doing here? I didn't do anything wrong. He finally, at the end of Pashat Vayichi, when his brothers say, now that dad is dead, you're going to do what Esav wanted to do to you. Now you're going to take revenge because we sold you to Mitzrayim. And what does, what does Yosef say? This total evolution. Yosef says, do not worry. What do you think? I'm God. You thought you were going to do something bad to me. But Hashem knew that he was doing something for me good. Because I was sold, because all this happened to me, I saved the whole world. Look at the evolution. In this week's Pasha, he's saying, what am I doing here? I did nothing wrong. And this is something that, that this is the war. This is the war between us and the Sahara. This is the war between the Yavanim and the, and the light, the candlelight of the menorah. This is the fire from within. And it talks about and I, I'll just tell you another secret because next week when I'm speaking I think Hanukkah is pretty much over that during the Hanukkah left, everyone asked me what should, you, what should you think about? What should be your thoughts? You're standing in front of the candles what should be your, your, your thoughts? So the Bnei Yisoscha says when God created the world there were 36 hours in the beginning of the world there was a, 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 a sun light that was, that, was, that was so pure that anything that lived in it didn't die didn't get sick and didn't rot and Hashem saw that the bad people, they're never going to die. And nothing's going to rot. So he, he hid it. It's called the Ar Haganos. It's very, very famous. The Kosnas Ar that he made for Adam. It was Ar originally. It was made out of light, which every person has, by the way. There's a certain, if you can look at a person, there's a certain glow 
around a person's persona, right? And they changed the R from light into skin. When he did the Avera, instead of having Kosnas R, it became Kosnas R. Instead of light, it became, it became skin. And it says that only during Hanukkah, these 36 hours of light comes down to this world. That's it. Just during Hanukkah. How do you know that? Because there's 36 candles. The first night is one, plus two. The second night is three. And three plus three is six. Right? And six plus four is ten. And ten plus five is fifteen. And fifteen plus six is twenty-one. And six and twenty-one plus seven is twenty-eight. And twenty-eight plus eight is thirty-six. So on Hanukkah, if you, if you light the first night one, and by the last night eight, you lit, you lit 36 candles. So B'nai Sascha says that those 36 hours come down to the world of pure light. Of light that nothing can die, nothing can rot, nothing can become sick. It comes down in the 36 hours, in the 36 candles of the Hanukkah Menorah. And when a person stands in front of that Menorah, that's what the person is supposed to have in mind. Supposed to have in mind that he would like to take that candle inside and bring it that or Haganos, that hidden light, every Jew, every person, every Jew, has a hidden light inside them. And your, your, your work on Hanukkah is to find that hidden light. Everybody has a hidden light. Some people are very dark, very depressed. And they don't think they're worth anything. And they, th- they don't think they can do anything. And, and the, the, the nace of Hanukkah is, to, is the best time as Hanukkah is to go inside yourself and to look for that one drop of oil Everybody has something good about them. You just got to go inside yourself and find it, no matter what anybody tells you. That's, that's what Hanukkah is all about. And you have to realize that you can't get any of that. There's no way that you can get any of that unless, unless a person is attached to a Kajwachal. Unless someone is connected to Hashem. If you think that the whole house is yours, and I don't know what I'm doing here, then you're totally disconnected. So I want to end... What was happening in California at this, at this principal's meeting? So I got up and I, I told them that everybody thinks that they're different. And therefore, I'm going to get up here today and I'm going to speak about what girls are going through, the shidduch crisis, the emotional crisis that every girl has to go through. just to look at herself every day and if she's not perfect... In America, there's Miss Universe and there's Miss USA. And if you're not the perfect resume, who's going to marry me? And everybody has to go through all this pressure. And I said to them the following. And I think it's a very important lesson for all of us. And I was pretty much ranting and raving. So, I was like, nobody's going to listen to me over here because you all think you're different. And everyone's going to look around when I start telling you these horror stories of what girls are going through. So you're all going to look at the other teachers in the other school and say, oh man, Rabbi Wallstein's getting emails from that school. My school? My school's perfect. So I said, this. So I took a kinnis, the tish above. And they're like, wrong holiday. You know, it's Hanukkah. And I opened up to a story in the kinnis of tish above called the story of Yeshayahu. And Yeshayahu was a king who actually got Kleisrol to do Total tshuva. The Jews had a television set and a movie in every single house. Menashe put an Avedizar in every single person's house. <coughs> this grandson, Yeshayo, came along and he cleaned out all Avedizar. And everybody was learning Torah. Beis Yaakovs were flourishing. Everybody was sneers. 
Everybody went to Shul on Shabbos. He was amazing, this guy. He changed the whole world. When the Egyptians came, they said they want to take a shortcut through Israel to fight the, the, the Philistines. Now the rule is, if the Jews are behaving themselves, you don't allow Goyim to go through Israel. But if we're not behaving ourselves, you have to let them through. Because if we're going to go to war, we're going to lose. So the Egyptians said, we want to come through. Yeshayahu said, I am the king that changed the whole Israel. They cannot come through. Yemiyahu, who was the Navi, said to Yeshayahu, they look good. And they look like they changed. But behind their door, inside their house, is Wi-Fi. Internet. Behind that door, is Avodah Zarah. And the Gemara says, they had a half of Avodah Zarah on one half of the door, and then the half of Avodah Zarah on the other half of the door. So when the doors were open, it didn't look like anything. The minute they closed the doors, they came together, it was an idol. And they would bow down to it. But nobody knew about it. But Jimmy Yahu knew about it. Jimmy Yahu told you, Shayo, don't stop the Mitzvah from going through. We are not doing as well as it looks. And he said, no. You're like Wallerstein. You're always giving Musser. Everyone's doing great. You're just coming down on everybody. Facebook and movies and non-Jewish music. Come on. Let the kids live. So the Mitzvah went to war. And they shot Yeshayahu, the king, 300 times, one arrow at a time. He died, it says it in the Kinnis, he died a terrible death. And he was bleeding from 300 arrows like a sieve. All his blood was flowing. And Yemiyahu bent down. It's in Kinnis, we read it every year. And Yemiyahu bent down to hear Yeshayahu's last words. And he said, Chotasi, I sinned because I didn't listen. So I told the principals, I said, this story bothers me very much. You have a king. He changed the whole Jewish nation. We know it says, when you judge another person, you should judge him for the good. So why would he listen to... So- Everybody's getting dressed. Everyone's going to shul. Everybody's learning. Why? Why do I got to go look for trouble? Why do you have to listen to him? What did he do wrong? Such a death? 300 arrows? What did this man do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. He changed Israel, And he judged them for the good. So I heard a shear. And the rabbi said, I'll tell you what he did wrong. He was the king. And therefore he had responsibility for the whole nation. And was on his watch. And when it's on your watch, and someone tells you that something's going on, you better check it out. I said, you're all principles. What I'm about to tell you, I'm not Yemiyahu. My name is Zechariah. It's also a Navi. <laughs> you don't have to listen. I said, but those kids in your schools, they're on your watch. And you better listen if someone tells you that there's things going on behind the doors. If you don't want to get 300 arrows in the next world. That was the opening to my speech. And then I went into what is going on behind those doors but I think we need to go deeper with this I'm ending I think every single person has to do that 
I think every person has to go behind their doors and see what's going on. And when a rabbi gets up and tells you that non-Jewish music has an effect, and when a rabbi gets up and tells you that DVDs have an effect, and when a rabbi tells you that sneers has an effect, and when a rabbi tells you that Facebook has an effect, and internet has an effect, it's very easy to say, he gets up, he's always talking about Facebook. <laughs> Come on, I changed so much already. I did so much already. But you're the king! You're the principal! You're the master! You're the owner of yourself! It's on your watch. So if some guy gets up and says that these things do have a bad effect on you, then you better check it out so that you don't get 300 arrows in the next world. Don't just take it, well, I'm different. We are different. And the difference that we are is that we're Jews. And that we have neshamas. And that we're connected to Hashem. And that's Hanukkah. Sit and watch that candle. Always reaching up. Always reaching up. Always flickering. Never standing still. Look at a candle. Learn from that little flame. Learn that that flame can light another eight flames, ten flames, a hundred flames. Each person in this room has the power to change other people. You don't have to get up like Rabbi Wallstein and speak on Torah anytime to change a person. All you need to do is set an example. I have heard the craziest stories. We're done. We don't have enough time tonight. The craziest stories of people changing just because they saw somebody. There's, there's a story in there. It's a stroll, very famous story. A guy went to the coastal and he's diving in front of the coastal and a guy runs over to him and says, oh my God, I have been looking for you for years. This guy has payas and a beard. And this guy also has payas and a beard. He says to him, I can't believe I met you here. He says, what are you talking about? He says, three years ago, where did you live? The guy that was praying by the wall, he says, I lived in Tel Aviv. He says, I know. He says, three years ago, I was totally not a dati. I was not religion. I was totally, totally irreligious. He said, there's a street in Tel Aviv that has movie theaters and movie stores, blockbusters, you know, movie stores. And in their windows, they have pictures of women that are not dressed. He says, I was standing on the corner with my friends, and you were walking down the street, and you were looking at the floor the whole time. And my friends were making fun of you. They were looking, look at that Jew. Look at him. They're all Jews also, right? The Chilonim. They said, look, look at him. Ah! He's, he's got his face down on the floor. Look, he just passed that beautiful girl in that picture, in that picture, in that picture. What a loser. And I looked at you and I said, what does this guy have that he doesn't want to look at those pictures? What does he have that's more precious and more exciting and more interesting than those pictures? And I ran after you, and you got onto a bus, and you were gone. So I went into a yeshiva, into a school. And I went up to a rabbi, and I told him the story. That I was standing on the corner, and I watched this Jew, and he went through a whole street of movie theaters with all these pictures and posters. He never looked up once. And I said, Rabbi, what are you teaching these boys here that is so precious that this guy wouldn't even look up for one second? What do you got? that's more fascinating and more ex- stimulating and more exciting than those pictures. What do you got? Can I see your books? You got pictures in your books. 
They start looking through the books for pictures. There's no pictures. So what do you guys got? So the rabbi was smart if he said, come tomorrow morning, I'll learn with you for 10 minutes. I'll show you what we got. So I went to, tonight I went to that yeshiva for two years. And my dream in life was to meet the man that changed my life. And this guy's standing there, he's like, I, never, I don't even know you. I never met you. I never spoke to you. I had nothing to do with you. How could have I changed your life? He said, you set an example. I've been looking for you. Look at me today. And the guy was mamish, a from religious guy. That's the power of a candle. Did he lose anything? He walked down the street and he, and he looked on the floor. Did he lose anything by doing that? No. But he lit somebody else's candle. By a Jewish girl being dressed sneezing and sitting on a bus and an old lady walks in who's not Jewish. And you get up and give her your seat. You may never meet the people that you change their lives. That they said, wow, I'm in public school. We would never do that. Where does this girl go? The yeshiva? What's that? Let's check it out. What have they got in their books? They're setting an example. The five Maccabees, everyone makes a big mistake. The five Maccabees and Matasiohu, they didn't go out to war to save Klai Israel. They went out to die. There was no way they were going to win that war. They wanted to make, like my, my Rebbe Ragamil said, they wanted to make a macho. They wanted to make a protest. They knew they were going to get slaughtered. Six against the Greek Empire. Everyone thinks they went out, right? They said, me, 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 and they expected to get slaughtered. But at least the Jews would see that we fought for who we are. And Hashem made the miracle. They went out to set an example. Hanukkah is about setting an example. And that's what we need to do when we look at that camp. That I set since last Hanukkah, it's a year that I set a good example for this world. That I bring light into this world. Am I a menorah? Am I a flame? Am I a candle? Did I change this world in any way? For a kid, for an adult, for myself. Did I change myself? Then you can say, There were miracles in those days, but there were also miracles in Bazman And Hashem, I'm that miracle. Because since last year, I have changed a lot. So this is what we need to think about when we light our, 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 our menorah and our candles. And always remember what Joseph said. I don't run the world. You think you sold me? You didn't sell me. I came down to Mitzrayim to save the world. When a person is going through pain, instead of saying, like he did, and he got punished for two years being in, 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 in jail, instead of saying, what am I doing here? I'm innocent. I never did anything wrong. Why is God doing this to me? At the end, at the end, he turned around and said, has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. You didn't sell me. I'm supposed to be here. That's uh, from Vayeshev all the way to Miketz, to Vayichi, to, to Vayigash, to Vayichi. From, from being a dreamer all about himself to be able to tell his brothers has nothing to do with me at all. Zero. I have nothing to do with, I'm not in the play. It's the puppeteer. He ran it. And that's what a person needs to know. And that's what we need to take from Hanukkah. And maybe if we take that from Hanukkah, we'll have this chus in Mitzvah Hashem. So that this should be the this should be the Hanukkah. That's the last Hanukkah in Golos. In fact, we still have a couple six days that we can light the Benayim in Eretz Yisrael, and we should have this chus in Eretz Yisrael. And that's why I said it to the girls in seminary: is a dreidel in Israel. I, I I never got one of these dreidels. 
But they say it says Neskadoha Yapo. Because the miracle happened in Dre. But they don't sell them in America. I don't have one. I only have the Neskadoha Yasham. The great Tzaddik said that every Jew in Golos, all of us, should have a dreidel that says Neskadoha Yapo. Neskadoha Yasham means they did a miracle for you. There's a miracle there. Nechama, Miriam, Chani. She had a miracle, and she had a miracle, and she had a miracle. So you got to spin the dreidel that says, I'm a miracle. So he said, everybody has to have two dreidels. A Nezkedah Yasham, miracles for whole Yisrael, but at the same time, Nezkedah There's a miracle going on right here, right now. I'm changing. I'm going home, and I'm listening to what Red Wallstein said, and I, I listen to non-Jewish music, I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to write what I was thinking when I was listening to that music. And I'm going to see what it's doing to my neshama, and that DVD that I'm watching, it's got to go. Because at the end of the day, it has a lot to do with my soul. And the only way you can know it, and, and I challenge everyone here, and I challenge everyone who's watching, the only way you can know that Facebook has an effect, or that movies have an effect, or that non-Jewish music has an effect, or the way you dress has an effect, is to try it the other way. Get off Facebook for a month, for two weeks. Then you'll realize the effect it had when you were on. Stop listening to non-Jewish music for two weeks, and then you'll realize the effect that it had. Get dressed sneeze-stick for two weeks, and see how you feel differently about yourself. That's the only way you're going to find out. Two weeks. A week. A day. And you'll see what's really going on. And then you can say, I'm the miracle right here. Should have a good Shabbos and a Lichtiger lit up Hanukkah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.